Yahweh, you breathe into my lungs again for another day, Father, that you've given me the grace and the blessing to be able to share your truth and knowledge and wisdom with any that would hear the words, Father, but listen to what's being said, listens to what's being taught that comes from you, Father, and take them to the word, conviction of heart by the Holy Spirit that would draw them closer to you, Father God, desiring them to know more and to seek your face, Father God, be in your book, your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom that pours out from the pages, Father, like you pour out the blessings from the windows of heaven that you come to those that love the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Abba Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barakutos, Aman. So, tossing some things back and forth with the Holy Spirit and is guiding my searching and my questions and answering things. We had a interesting fellowship last night and some things brought up, but also immediately brought up, um, I believe it's in Matthew... It is indeed Matthew 12. So we were talking about some things in fellowship, and this is um, what remind, we're reminded in, in a number of places in the Bible, actually. Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it, being like-minded of, of one body and talking about being united in that. And Paul talks about being like-minded, like-spirited, that we... Uh, seek the truth, seek his knowledge, wisdom that we pray one for another, we edify one another, we lift each other up. Um, that word edification, it's kind of an important thing because it's used a lot in God's word. Jesus uses it and it's used many times. And the ed word edification, it's, it's an important word. So I'm going to share with you it doesn't mean just um, provision of information. You can you can teach people, and the word edification. <clears throat> pardon me. And it comes from a Latin term, actually if I can even pronounce this right, edificatio, edificatio. Um, edificacion, or the stem word as they use in the Latin, is edificatio. It's the act or process of building. So also in Latin, depending on how it's used, pardon me, or the context of such, it's for the spiritual improvement. Pardon me, a little coffee break there. <clears throat> so that word is actually important to us because it goes quite readily with 
Paul's sharing and his teaching and his fervency when he talks about it, that we share and we pray one for another. And he talks about that when he writes his letters to uh, Timothy and Titus. But importantly, let me go to that, make sure I'm, I don't want to misspeak as many do that are out there. They don't care about putting anything together rightly. But it's very important that we do this thing <clears throat> and we do things together. Um, and Paul reminds Timothy in his second letter, he reminds him to study, to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, an interesting thing here comes up with one of the uh, one of the elders, and we were talking last night at our life group, and it's when you have a situation with, and by the way, I'm going to bring this up point at least since it was brought up last night. There is nothing that says that you have to absolutely agree with everything that somebody has said, if you have a question with it though, don't just be a gossip monger and don't just rattle your tongue, which is what Paul talks about in verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, gossip, for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus. Well, now Paul did it there. And the reason he brought that up is because these are two individuals that were in, a, in the church, but they were gossip mongers and they were back and forth and they had actually split the church in two. And they were at odds because they didn't agree with each other. But instead of working it out and talking with one another, they decided to turn their backs on each other. And they started the gossiping and back and forth. And then what they did is they actually split the church in two and they had factions. Having one side to the other, they split it right down the middle. And my footnote that I put down here, gossip as well as responding to such can fuel the growth of hardness. Gossip is most oftentimes untruth anyway, and it comes from rumors, rumor mongering, and that thing in as I was sharing with you, this is uh, this comes from something that Jesus was teaching. And this is very important. 
because this is exactly what we're talking about. When he calls us and Paul reminds us to be like-minded, one body, one spirit, one truth. And as I've shared with you already, your truth isn't different than my truth. If you are speaking truth, you're sharing truth, I'm speaking truth and sharing truth, it's truth, period. There is no shade of truth. There is no adjusting it so that it fits your narrative better than mine might. Maybe my narrative on doesn't fit or apply at all to what your decision is or what's better. Well, here's the thing. Neither one of us is sovereign over the Lord God Almighty. And if God has called us and we're to be one body, one mind, one truth, his truth, the only truth, there is no shading the truth. And when you have individuals that say, well, my truth is might not be the same as yours or my truth is a little bit different than yours. Well, then you're either lying or you're speaking the truth or I'm either lying or speaking the truth. And here's the deal. I don't lie. I won't lie. I'm not gonna make up any of this that I'm sharing with you to fit my narrative or to fit my agenda. It doesn't work that way. God called me to be about his business. If I'm gonna be about my father's business, then I'm gonna speak his truth and his way and his knowledge that he shares with me to do so. You don't shade anything and nobody's truth is different than somebody else's truth. If you're speaking truth, it's truth, period. Period. There's no shading it. So somebody's either lying or somebody's not. And then, of course, to fit your narrative further is there are those that will declare, well, you know, a little white lie, you know, a little white lie. No. The Bible speaks to that. A lie is a lie. And it is an abomination to the Father, Lord God Almighty. And if you speak truth and you speak righteousness and you do so to edify or lift up, as I shared with you, the Latin is talking about building up. So that's what edification is about, one for another, that you build each other up. You don't tear somebody down in order to prosper your position better. It doesn't work that way. We are to build one another up, pray one for another. Lift each other up. And even these egregious politicians and things that are going on. And there's some issues that are going on within the body here that physicians are supposed to be helping. But they're actually, oh my gosh, I can't even believe that they're even anywhere close to following the Hippocratic Oath. Just absolutely tell somebody that they're not going to do something and that it's just not even, we're not even going to continue doing this. We're not even going to look for anything else because why? You know, can be very arrogant individuals, very practical. That, that's just, I know the answer. I have the answers and I'm not going to listen to you. You're just the patient. What do you know? I'm the doctor. No, it doesn't work that way. Remember this, it's just like politicians. They're not the ones in charge. They are of the people, by the people, and for the people. Doctors work for the patient. And people will go to the doctor and the doctor gives them some grievous news, but they won't check. They won't check around. They'll shop for a car. They don't like this dealership or that dealership, or they shop for a house, but a doctor says something, it's gotta be written in stone. That's gotta be gospel. 
Well, it's not gospel. Gospel's good news. They give bad news, and they're going to tell a patient that, well, no, that we're not going to do that because I'm the doctor and I'm in charge. Well, it doesn't work that way. It's not supposed to work that way, but we give authority away. Remember I shared that with you when Satan comes to call and I've heard members of the church body talk about how they've been robbed of their joy, they've been robbed of their happiness, they're not feeling very happy, so they're not going to, uh, they're not going to happy, happy, joy, joy um, with fellowship. They don't feel like going to fellowship. They don't want to go to fellowship. Um, well, here's the thing. They weren't really robbed of anything. What they did is they stood there with their hands open. They said, you know, this is what's going on here. And then their thought process starts to spin. That white noise interference that Satan has his minions deliver all the time. All the time. And it's interfering with the thought process and the focus on the Lord and the focus on the righteousness and focusing on edifying your brothers and sisters. And what you do is you allow yourself to fall down. You allow yourself to waller in the mire that he's already got you tripped into. And then you're looking to grab others and pull them in with you. There's an old saying a long time ago, and some my age or better would Remember hearing this is misery loves company. Oh, they do and it does indeed. And that's actually goes right along with what Satan loves is that he loves to get the more that he can get downtrodden and falling down and separating and pulling apart, his job is just easier. And his job is Blame, condemnation, derision, derisiveness within the body. And one of the favorite playgrounds, and there's a lot of people, I've shared this with you all before, is that the church is not like Hippocrywood makes their vampire movies and demons can't cross a threshold and go into the church. They don't like to be in around there, but they don't like getting kicked around by their boss either. And that would be the Lord of Satan the Lord of Satan. His, he does have lordship over hell. I'm not talking about in, in uh, cognizance with Jesus or our Lord, but he is the Lord of hell. He is the prince of this world and, and he likes to dominate his minions. So he's gonna give him a kick in the tail end and get him to go in the church and stir up as much hate and discontent as he can. As much derisiveness as he possibly can. And if he can get brothers and sisters within the body at odds with each other? Goodness gracious, all you got to do is look around at what's going on in this country and other nations. But here's the import, Matthew 12. Jesus was doing some healing and touching that he was doing, and he was um, in and around Jerusalem. And there were a lot of folks that were trusting him, seeing what he was doing and taking heart. And just, man, it was, 
his spoken words with the authority that he spoke these things. And they liked it because they knew that he spoke with authority, unlike the Pharisees who were so him hosh and they didn't trust them because they sensed that they weren't speaking truth. And Jesus pointed that out to them already and they didn't like it. But here we have. So they had brought to Jesus, they brought one that was possessed of a devil, a blind person, and someone who was dumb, couldn't speak. And he healed them. And it says in Matthew twelve twenty two, Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard of it, they said, This fellow doth cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. Beelzebub. That's, uh, that's an interesting name there. Um, in some walks, in some circles, Beelzebub is another name for the devil. In other theological contrivances and ideals and their perspective is that that is a prince of hell, a very powerful demonic prince. And you have to understand something here. I'm going to, I'm going to break this down and, <clears throat> and help you understand best I can. Is when I'm talking about minions I'm not necessarily talking about demons. And when Jesus talks about serpents and scorpions, he's talking about those that have been changed, demons. And also it's Bible speak for minions. Okay. I'm working to clarify, so bear with me here. So when Satan was cast out of heaven, along with his entourage, or those he thought that he could overthrow God and take over heaven, those are his demons, or as there are some paths, one of my mentors uses a term, and I, I like this, and it fits very aptly, his Chaldeans. Who are the Chaldeans? Well, back in ancient times, they were a very warring, powerful, combative nation. They were very good at what they did. And they would, their archers were really good at shooting from a long distance, greater than most, and they were very accurate. And they could hide quite well. They would hide out in ambush. And this is, this is how Satan has his minions or his Chaldeans. Now, the, the difference being that you have minions are your run-of-the-mill yabba-dabbas, like, uh, you know, a lot of politicians you have out there that are just so destructive and they think that their agenda 
and it's all about their agenda and they don't even realize that they're being puppeted. They don't even know it. Those are minions. And then you have, as my other, one of my mentors shares about the Chaldeans, beware the Chaldeans. These are the ones that um, I stick that label on the powerful demons. They are the ones that are warring at us so hard. You can't see them. God protects us from that plane of existence. And if he did not, we would feel like we were in an, an Hapakrawood horror story that would chill you to the very core. They're frightful, powerful, and we have the angel, angelic beings that are here that God dispatches to protect us. And... Um, my memory is not what it was. I wish I could remember specifically. I'm going to find this and I'm going to share it with you. Um, when the prophet is on the move and his, pro his young protege, and they're they're held up in a in the city and they're searching for him. They're looking for him because they're all mad. Jezebel and her her horde and. Of course, Ahab is trying to catch him because he doesn't want Jezebel mad at him. And they think that they have him and they have him surrounded in the city. And he's enlisted help from some others that are kings. And they have the city surrounded. So I think they have him. And the young man is so frightened and so upset. And... The prophet prays to God and he told him, he said, Father, he said, let him see what I see. And God lifted the veil that he had over his eyes protecting him. And when he looked out and saw the surrounding armies and he was so afraid of them, he then looked and Elijah told him, he said, look to the mountain, what do you see? Wow, I can only imagine, I know what I would have been, I would have been breathing deeply. I would have, I would have been sucking air. He saw that the enemy that had them surrounded or thought that they had him was surrounded behind them, both in the mountains and on the plains that everywhere he looked, there were chariots on fire, there were horse warriors on fire. They were on fire with heavenly flame. They were angelic hosts that had been sent to protect. And they were there. So brothers and sisters, when you feel down at the uttermost, look to the hills from whence your help cometh because they are there. And these demons that are out there that people become so frightened of and are willing to give up everything to them, don't do that. Back we go to Matthew 12. 
and 24, when the Pharisees came because he had healed these individuals. And let me, we got to talk about the Pharisees for a minute here. Now to remember that every time that Jesus did something, they found something to gripe and complain about it. They didn't like the fact that Jesus did everything he did and didn't ask for payment. <clears throat> Pardon me. He didn't ask for payment and he didn't ask for the recognition that he got. And in fact, many times he told individuals, he said, it's not time yet. Don't tell anyone. Keep this to yourself. Because Jesus knew already that what would happen, and did happen, in fact, that they would come and try to forcefully make him their king and leader. They were going to come and, and push him out there, and they were going to come and make him be their leader, and then they would jump around and holler and shout, and a lot of people would be hurt, and that's not why Jesus came. That's, that's not what that agenda is about. And that was not according to God's timing. So this is what Jesus did not want to happen. And he guarded himself and those that he loves from that very thing. And what does Jesus do? It, okay, that brings up a very important, what is he doing? What is God and Jesus doing? He's protecting us from ourselves. The choices we make are pitiful, quite honestly. And if we are allowed to do these things, as God made us creatures of choice, free will choice, <clears throat> look what happens when we take that gift that he gave us to be able to pre-plan and to be able to do things. What do we do? We get our daily planner so filled with junk that we can't find time to pray, we can't find time to worship, we can't find time to go to Bible study, church. There's always something going on that has to be done. And even those that work within the church body, their calendars are so full of things. They can't possibly get to fellowship, to go out to testify, to go out and evangelize, which everyone is called to do and we are called to do. There's no qualification other than you know the truth and you've seen the truth, you've witnessed the truth and you know. <clears throat> Back to Matthew. So when the Pharisees came and they were all agitated about what Jesus had done yet again, and then they cried, this fellow, and in my Bible, that's a talisman. So what they're, <clears throat> it's a very downplaying and very sarcastic way. They're not, you know, like, oh, this guy, yeah, I know him. Well, it's not like that. They they do it like, oh, this fellow, oh, he's at it again. And then they start ranting and raving about things that Jesus, he doesn't take payment, he doesn't take recognition, he doesn't seek fame, he doesn't seek fortune. And there are many that even in his name, there were that Paul ran into him. They were doing things and, and doing it and they were using the name of Jesus, but they were doing so falsely. And Paul actually prayed over them and cast that ability out of them. They were using sorcery and tricks, but he made it so they couldn't do that. And then the leaders of the city got all upset because now their, their payday was now gone. Anyway, 
Back to Matthew 25. I, I love being in the Bible. There's all sorts of things you can find here. It's really intriguing. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. That is an important word right there. He's not only talking about what the Pharisees are talking about and trying to explain to him, and they didn't get it anyway because they were so wrapped up in trying to get Jesus caught up. They didn't understand what he was talking about. But look at, the, look at the nation, look at many nations, but in particular, look at this nation. We are so divided and so worried about what somebody else is doing. You have the uh, Antifa, you have the BLM, you have the LGBTQ XB Aladocious folks, you have all sorts of these different organizations, then you have the woke mob, then you have the cancel culture, and you have all these folks that are at odds with everyone else. And because one group doesn't agree with the other group, then they start fighting with each other. And then you have a group that is supposedly trying to agree with one group, but they call themselves something else. And then you have that specific group is mad at them for getting involved in their business. And they shouldn't be involved in their business because they're different. Their skin tone is different. So they shouldn't even be talking about it. How do they have a right to talk about it? Oh my goodness gracious. And the nation is busy being divided. It's falling apart and not even paying attention to what's going on. It's just, it's like, uh, it's imploding. Implosion is different than explosion. That means that it's collapsing in upon itself and it's happening. And Jesus is trying to explain that. The Pharisees totally missed the point. They didn't get it. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then shall his kingdom stand? Oh, hey, good question, huh, Pharisees? And when I'm talking that way, I'm not talking just about them that Jesus is pointing out in the Bible because there are individuals out here and around and even within the church. I'm thankful that it's not within the church that I attend that I have not visibly seen yet. The Holy Spirit has not brought me to that. I'm glad because if he does, I'm not going to be staying. But brothers and sisters, you have churches that are claiming to be, they're the label, label heads and self-proclaimed Christians, and they pat themselves on the back for all these things that they do, but they're no more a Christian than the devil himself or his minions. They just like to talk about it a lot, and they like that, like, as if it gives them some kind of notoriety or they pay attention to them. And I, quite honestly, I see it happen in the street a lot. Not are they, they're not just doing something good. And I mean, you have to give them kudos for that, but then they don't come back. What do I mean by that? I mean that they come in, they'll give them a plate of food and then they leave. Or they bring them a, a small bag of clothes and then they leave. They don't, pick up garbage, they don't help them dispose of anything, they don't take anything from them. 
uh, as far as maybe something that they might want to donate that they can pass on and go down because that entails work. That entails being about our father's business and that's too much work. It's easy if they can slap something down on a little styrofoam thing and bring it to them and then take off and just think and then they then they wander off patting themselves on the back. They're, they're putting themselves to the strain because they're busy patting one another on the back or patting themselves on the back for what they've done. Oh, look what we did. And this is exactly what was pointed out. If you look, Jesus had John write to the church about it. There were several of the churches that he wrote about it. The church of Laodicea in particular. Because they were busy laudating themselves about everything that they had done and about how they were so wealthy now because they brought in good offerings but they were spending it up themselves and not spending it and using it to do what they were called to do with it. And they were not doing it. So they were stealing from God, stealing from the people. And much like the money changers that were at the temple that Jesus chased them out, they were doing the same thing. And they were divided amongst themselves. They weren't lifting each other up. They weren't praying for one another. They were just busy going, oh, look what we did last week. We did good there. Hey, now, yeah, all right, all right, Jesus. We took your example, we did that. No, you didn't. You twisted it so the appearance was that, but you weren't. Further in 1227, and if Beelzebub, Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Oh, wow. Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first Bind the strong man, and then he will not, and then he will spoil his house. He that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. That is potent and it's important. Because if you're not speaking the truth and you're not sharing the truth, you're not evangelizing, if you're not sharing the gospel and you have individuals that are telling you that you can't do that because you're not certified, well, then you know what? Like I shared with you before, it's time to go. You take get the Holy Spirit, you pray, Father, lead me to a place because this is not right. But don't just abandon you need to keep them still in prayer because perhaps it's a bit of short-sightedness that they're in a lapse and they can repent. Oh man, forgive us because we're not supposed to do that. That's not what we're about. We're about uplifting and taking care of one another. Forgive us for that tripping and falling all over ourselves.
And this is a very valid point here. Or else how can one enter, and this is in uh, 1229, or else how can one enter in his strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man? That's very important because this is exactly what I was sharing with you uh, not too long ago. And, and hear me when I say it like that. This is not about, oh, I'm right. See, I told you, I told you, I told you. It's not that. This is a confirmation word that what I was sharing with you is the truth and it comes from the Bible anyway. So this isn't all about attaboy raven. This is all about hallelujah, God, thank you. Baraklitos, thank you. Praise you for your truth. But what I'm talking, what Jesus is talking about is a spoiling of the house. What's he talking about? The house of God. And how the minions will come in and dance around causing separation and derisiveness and distraction and binding that strength that we have in unity and uplifting one another in prayer, but having us so confused and paying attention to all these things that we envy somebody else's job within the body, that we, oh, you know, the, the elders should have given me that job. I can do that job. I could have done that job. And... This that I'm doing here, this janitorial, you know, anybody could have done that. Except here's the point that you might not know. That they tried to get anybody to do it. But nobody would. Anybody could have. Anybody should have. But nobody would. But when you were asked, you said, yeah, I'll do it. Might not have been really happy about it, but you answered affirmatively, yeah. And then you see all these other things going on and you start griping and grumbling and man, look what I'm doing. Yeah, you're doing something that's important to do anyway that needs to be done, should be done, and anybody could have, but they wouldn't. Should have, could have, and would have, but didn't. You were asked and you said, okay. This is what happens when they bind the strong. You're worried about what somebody else is driving to church. You're worried about what they're wearing. You're worried about all these things that take place except what you should be concerned about. Prayer, uplifting, edification of your brothers and sisters. And that's what we should be caring about. but we're so worried about what's going on all around us that we're bound up in that. And then you have the separation. Then the house is spoiled. Hear these words, listen to what I'm saying. Or else, and again, verse 29, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man and then he will spoil his house. We are strong in the Lord. We are weak and he is strong. And in his house, we have strength because we uplift one another. We pray one for another and we do that thing that he's called us to do. I'm just like Jesus spoke in verse 30. And he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. So if you're not telling the truth, if you're not speaking the truth, if you're not sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ and Lord God Almighty, and you're speaking falsely, false doctrines, 
and you're not in the tenets of the Lord God Almighty, our Heavenly Father, the maker of all things made, the first and the last, the author and the finisher, the great physician, then you are against him. And here's something that's very important and hear this. Listen to this word. We're given authority. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto them. We need to be very cautious in what we're saying. We need to be very cautious in what we do. And this is where I've shared this with you before. about the vanity of the name of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. If you don't speak truth, you speak lies. And there is no shading it, no bending it. You either speak the truth and you're for the Lord and you do his business in the gospel of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and you pray the Holy Spirit of guidance and you don't take the name in vain for either. And that doesn't mean that you use it as a cursory expletive. That's not necessarily what that means. That means that you hear a lot of people going around and they're just taking the sovereignty of God's name. God is holy. He's a hallowed be thy name. Holy be your name. Oh my God, did you see that new car that Joe and Joe and Josephine and the kids all got? They just got it last week. That's using his name in vain. The Lord God has been reduced to representing a new car that somebody got and your excitement about it. That is taking the name of God in vain. That is vanity use of God's name. It's not cussing and it's not meant anything bad. And so many people do these things frivolously. They just throw it out there and they're not even realizing what they're doing. They're not thinking about what they're doing. But that's exactly what it means. When you smash your thumb with a, a hammer and it hurts like all get out and you, one of the first things that comes out of your mouth, well, just and then you use his name in vain because you smash your thumb, because you're a knucklehead. And it could erupt into expletives, but a lot of times it's just an exclamation. But you're using either Jesus's name or God's name. And there's times where I get into something and I'll slip out before I even finish it. I realize and I catch myself and I pray forgiveness for it because his name is not to be used in vain. Further, in verse 1233, and this is pretty, this is pretty powerful here. I'm going to read 32, actually, over again. And whosoever speaketh a word against the Son of Man, Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, that's, that's the Spirit of God. 
it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. If you did it, you're done. Can you imagine? I don't even want to. So verse 33, either make the tree good and his fruit good or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt for the tree is known by his fruit. There's a tree. That'd be Jesus. Remember they talk about Jesus as the tree or the vine. And that kind of goes back to that song and what I, what we were sharing in, in Bible study. They shall know we are Christians by our love, by our love. That's an old song. I remember I was in junior high school when I first heard that. And they know we are Christians by our love, by our love. And if you're not sharing love and doing that thing that God has called us to and not reflecting that out, then how are they gonna know? Oh, because you have that piece of tape across your forehead that says Christian, label head, or because you announce it to everybody, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, da-da-da-da. So there's a time that lions roar, but they don't just walk around roaring to make sure that everybody knows that they're a lion. They don't have to. You can watch the majestic gate. You can see. And they didn't like this, Jesus said, because he's speaking exactly what John the baptizer told him. <laughs> Verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. So if your heart is not reflecting or not full of that thing that God has given to us, how are you gonna talk about it? You can't. All you can talk about is me, 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 my, 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 we, we, we. You can't talk about him, him, him. Praise, praise, praise. Worship, worship, worship. Holy, holy, holy. You can't because you're too caught up in self-esteem. You're too caught up in Phariseeism, judgmentalism. 1235. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by the words thou shalt be justified, and by the words thou shalt be condemned. And it's important to know that in the scripture, they kind of use the heart and mind together. Because the more you have the process in your mindset, the more reflective of that nature you have in your heart. So that's what Jesus is talking about, or I'm changing it around a little bit. Um, 
hopefully to clarify, maybe not. But that that's, that's a, he's saying the same thing. I'm saying the same thing. You think about it, and this is why it's important that you need to have on the helmet of salvation, you need to guard your thoughts. Guard your heart, guard your thoughts. Um, I've shared this before, I'll share it again, that... As you think, so shall you speak. And that comes out of your heart, but it starts in the head. And this is, no matter what your intellectual prowess may be or how smart you think you are, your mind is the weakest link and the weakest point of attack and Satan will attack that all the time. All the time. Constantly, and he's going to find a way in one way or another. He'll find a way in and disrupt your thought process. And when you do, then you start thinking about all these things. You start letting go of things that you should be holding on to. You hold on to things that you should be letting go of because you're listening to that white noise interference. You're listening to what's being said. You're listening to their their interruptive speech rather than focusing on God. This is why I, there's so much stuff I delete, anything having to do with the politics. I look at this and they're not even speaking. The headline isn't the, the media and the social, supposed the alleged social media are so crooked, so derisive and so separating. I can't, I look at a headline and it doesn't even match what anything is being talked about. And all they're talking about is parties back and forth, one side or the other. And they talk about praying for so-and-so over another. And this reminds me of Joshua. Joshua is heading down into the Valley of Jericho. And he sees that this is when he encounters the Lord, by the way. I think I pointed this out to you before. Because that individual uses a term that's given to our king. So he encounters, he's walking down to head down into the Valley of Jericho. He was up praying and kind of meditating. And he's walking down and he sees a man opposing him. And what that means is that they're, they're not fighting. They, words that are used in the Bible, people get all crosswise. So they're not fighting with each other. The guy wasn't challenging him. He was just facing him. They were walking and this fellow was, was there standing. And when Joshua came down, he lifted his eyes up and he saw him and that man was facing him. And Joshua asked him, he said, are you for our adversaries or are you for us? Now, Joshua is maybe going to draw a sword and they're going to engage in combat because he's waiting to see who this guy is. He's checking him out. He doesn't recognize him. It could be one of the tribe. You got to remember that the, the members of that, they left Egypt you had over, you had literally thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Maybe this is one of the tribes that he doesn't recognize. He's not going to know everybody. So this man that was opposing him simply says, nay. Gave a very simple answer. He said, are you on their side or our side? And he said, no. The captain of the host of heaven takes no side. Whoa. And now Joshua knew who he was talking to. And he was told, the ground that you stand on is holy ground. Take off your sandals. 
And Joshua immediately fell to his knees. Now you remember, I've shared this with you before, that the messengers, when they come to share messages and individuals have thrown themselves down to pray and worship them and they've told their responses, don't do that. You worship God only because I am a servant just like you are. I'm a messenger. I just brought you the word. You don't worship me. You worship our father. You worship God only. He is the holy one. But this person told Joshua, you are on holy ground. So it wasn't just merely an angel that came to tell him. This is evidence that I look and review back that is done. And every time I've found that a messenger came, the messenger rebuked the offer that these individuals threw themselves down to, to worship and them. And they were told not to do that. This man, however, told him to take off his shoes for the ground that you're on, ground you stand on is holy ground. That means that Jesus was there. Jesus was there. Now, perspective of some does it might not agree with that, and that's okay. I'm not going to argue with you about it because I've read the other scriptures and I put these things contextually together and, and came to that conclusion. And that's okay. This is a type of thing that we were talking about in the Bible study. You have individuals that want to become confrontational about things. This is how you become a house divided unto itself. And I read, with, I read you there in Matthew 12 and how gossip mongering and how the wagging of the tongues get going. And then like in the church, Paul wrote to Timothy and, and um, later Jesus gave the vision to John on the island of Patmos and had him write these important letters out to the seven churches, the seven main churches. And the one that laid to see, they were talking there divided amongst itself and they were patting themselves on the back about how they had concluded this and concluded that and they did this and they did that. And then they didn't do much of anything. And then it all became vain babbling. No gossiping, no envying, no comparison. When you compare, then you start to complain. And when you complain, then you start to regret. And when you regret, then you start to resent. And when you start to resent, then you get angry, and then what do you do? You start shaking your fist at God, and you shake your fist at the pastor or the elders of the church, and you start complaining because they've got you doing a menial task that nobody else would do. Anybody could have, but nobody would have, and somebody should have, but it wasn't being done. So then what happened? God's house was not being taken care of. And back in the day, back in the time of Jesus and all that, they had the Levites and they had all those that, that's what they did. They tended the house of God to make sure that it didn't fall into disarray. And this was the troubling thing that Nehemiah saw and had word of that came to him. As if the church had fallen into disarray and people were not taking care of one another. They weren't taking care of the city. They weren't taking care of the temple and the temple had fallen and then Nehemiah, when he left and he went back, he got word that, uh, what was it, Tobias? Had given a place to one of the kings had come in and they gave him a shelter out there in the church and they weren't taking care of the church like it was supposed to be done. Well, guess who came back and guess who was mad? That's right. Nehemiah came back 
and gave them a toss in the ear. Didn't like it because they weren't taking care of the house of God. The house of God is an important place. Not only is it a place that we come to fellowship, we come to thank God, we come to praise God, and we come to worship God as a gathering people. Remember, I shared this with you in Hebrews, we're told this. Hebrews 10, we are a gathering people. Do not be as it is forsaking the gathering as it is for some. There's some that, that don't care, they don't come. We are a gathering people to be united, to be in one thought and one thought only. That Lord God is sovereign, that his truth be shared and people be given the opportunity to repent and come to salvation. And that salvation is by the grace of God and not by any means, by anything that we do and make them, make them what? You just share the word with them and they come in and the Holy Spirit, that's up to the Holy Spirit and to God and Jesus Christ. Jesus came and gave all an opportunity. The Holy Spirit guides a step and will lead to conviction. And remember, when they're talking about biblical conviction of the Holy Spirit, they're not talking about condemnation and sending you to the pits of hell that you have one of these perverts parading up and down in his little fancy costume and making sure that everything appears to be fluttering in the wind that's not even there because they're inside, right? But it's all theatrics. And they're talking about the condemnation of God and God is blackmailing us into believing that Jesus Christ is his only begotten son. Well, that's not what God's doing at all. God's giving us a free will choice that he did from the beginning. If you choose not to believe, then you condemn yourself and you are condemned already. Read the scripture in its context. John 3.16 all the way down to 22. It'd be important that you do that. You don't just take this pervert's word for it. And if you do, then you, then you need to be repenting as well. But the thing of it is, is that if you read it in context, God does not condemn us and said, okay, you, you don't believe me, you're going to hell. It's not what he said. If you choose not to believe, then you are condemned. And you condemn yourself. Jesus did not come to condemn anyone, but to set us free and to give us salvation. By the grace of God, grace is a gift and that gift is free. Brothers and sisters, I pray for you on my going out and my coming in. And I just realized that I'm get the clacking around on my, uh, I have some chains that I wear. and Not prisoner chains, but <laughs> I apologize. You probably hear it in the background. My apologies for that. I will be more guarded in making sure that I don't get disruptive that way. But brothers and sisters, be blessed in this day. It is a day that the Lord has made. Rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you. Have a great day.